Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. As uh, Gabby already said, and we're the pastors of this church, and it's a great honor to be the pastors. And it's even better to do life and follow Jesus Christ with you fantastic people. We've got a saying here at uh, Elevation that uh, church is not an event to attend, it's a family to belong to. So please today, if you're new with us, we'd like you to consider to join our family. And if you're part of our family, why don't you say, hey, we love our family. Yes, it's such a good place to be at Elevation. Hey, we're in week three of a series called The Gift. And um, it's a series that we started around about three weeks ago. Hands up, who likes a gift, a present? Yes, there's something special when you know someone has gone out of their way to find a hand-picked gift for you, specifically for uh, yourself. Well, there was one gift that was given to us a while, a long, long time ago that was the greatest gift that was ever given and changed the course of history. Week one, Pastor Gabby kicked off the series and she talked about how uh, the wise men came and they, they visited Jesus. And she spoke about how the gift was Jesus. Uh, if you don't understand the Christmas message, it's all about how Jesus is the gift that we received at Christmas time. She talked about how the wise man, they brought gifts and they worshipped Jesus with awe and wonder. I wonder how much we worship Jesus with awe and wonder. Or I wonder if it's more like, Jesus, give me this. You're, you're a vending machine. What do, what do we say? God, you are amazing. Jesus, I worship you. I come before you in awe and wonder. Uh, we see that's what happened in our key verse for this series, Matthew 2.10. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to that. Otherwise, it'll be behind me. It says this, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child. With Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Last week, I continued uh, our series and I spoke about uh, the gifts of uh, the gift of frankincense, not to be consumed, uh, confused with Frankenstein, but in fact, frankincense, the dad joke there for us. And uh, we talked about how uh, uh, gold represents uh, uh, the kingship of Jesus uh, and frankincense represent how Jesus is our high priest and how he would go and offer his life and how he understands and cares about us. Did you know that you have a high priest who understands and cares about what you're going through? He's experienced it. See, he came down to earth and became a man and lived through all the uh, events that we go through as humans, all the emotions, all the struggles, all the trials. He understands and he cares through what we go through in life. If you miss those messages, you can get onto our podcast, jump onto our YouTube channel and have a listen to them. Today we're going uh, to skip ahead and we're going to look at the gift of myrrh and then next week we're going to look at the gift of gold. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time here today. God, we've come to meet with you. We've come to encounter you. That is our primary goal for being here today. We want to hear from you, Holy Spirit. So I pray that as we delve into your word today, as we look at this gift of myrrh, I pray that we get a revelation and an understanding of the significance and the symbolism of what this means for us and what you did for us at the cross. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone says, Amen. Hey, uh, this week we set up our Christmas tree. Who set up, who's set up their Christmas tree yet at home? 
Who hasn't set up their Christmas tree yet? And then there's a third bunch of people who don't know either way. <laughs> third bunch of people like, I haven't set it up. I, I have set it up, but they're in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I love church. It's always like there's a trick question. <laughs> Too scared to put our hands up. It's not tithes, guys. Tithes has been done. Let's do it again. Who's put their Christmas tree up? Who hasn't put their Christmas tree up? Okay, still a lot of people who don't want to put their hands up. That's great. I love it. Uh, if you haven't yet, there's still time. Let me just say that. Well, at our house, we've got a, 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 the, a few of these things called smart devices. Has anyone heard of that? Smart home automation. We've got a few Google speakers. We've got a few um, uh, devices, some lights, some smart lights. Uh, we've got a few smart screens and stuff like that. And so this week when we set up our Christmas tree, I'm like, man, this is a hassle having to go and turn the Christmas tree on every night and then turn it off every night. Like, this is too much work. So I said, I want to automate this. So I went and got a smart plug from Kmart. And now what happens is at 7.30, it turns on. And then at 11.30, it turns off. Who likes that? Like, come on, like, who, who likes to be able to automate things? Well, I, I was like, this is, this is good, but we can do better. I was like, we can do more than this. Like, we can take this up, this, this up a, a next level. So... So this is what happens now. If I speak to my, uh, uh, my smart home and I say, hey, Google, Merry Christmas, the following happens, okay? Um, well, one, it obviously turns the Christmas tree on, so the Christmas lights are going on. Uh, it turns on the TV in the room where the Christmas tree is, uh, loads up a YouTube video of a fireplace. This is the fire's crackling in the background. And then it starts a Christmas carols playlist on all of our house speakers in the house. And so you've got the Christmas tree, the lights are sparkling, you've got the, the, the fire in the background crackling away, and then you've got the Christmas carols singing. And I mean, like, this feels like Christmas. Like, I mean, this feels like, does anyone with me? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Well, the first Christmas didn't have smart home automations uh, in the manger. I don't think there was anything like that, but it did have gifts like we do, right? And there was the gift that we're going to be looking at today, the gift of myrrh. Uh, what's myrrh? Myrrh is a gum-like substance uh, that comes from a tree in North Africa in the Middle East. I think there might be a picture behind me of what it looks like. And it can be used for many diff different thing things. It can be used for medicinal purposes, uh, stomach aches, it can be used as an antiseptic, it can be used to help with congestion, those types of things. It can also be used as flavoring in food and beverages. Uh, apparently, and then uh, another thing it can be used for, and that's what it's most often used for today, is in perfumes. Last week I talked about how frankincense is in Chanel number no. five. Well, this week I don't have any examples of myrrh, but you can Google that, look it up. Uh, but more often in the times of Jesus, it was used as a uh, as an embalming fluid or as a fragrance to embalm the dead. And so it's very likely that myrrh would have been the, uh, the substance that was used to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. And in fact, when he, after he died on the cross. And because of this, biblical believers, uh, sorry, biblical scholars believe that myrrh symbolizes Jesus as the Lamb of God, born to suffer and die for the forgiveness of our sins. And so today, I want to take us back some 700 years. We're going to like jump into a time machine. We're going to like jump into the DeLorean and go back to the future. We're going to go back 700 years before the birth of Jesus. 
The 700 years before uh, the wise men and the magi came and they laid their gifts before Jesus in awe and wonder. And we're going to look at an Old Testament prophecy by a man, a prophet called Isaiah. Would you say it with me? Isaiah. And this prophecy we're going to look at, it represents Jesus. And it talks about a person. And that person it talks about is Jesus born to suffer on our behalf for the forgiveness of our sins. This morning I want to ask you a question. Who has been watching the World Cup, the Soccer World Cup? Any people here today? We've been watching the Soccer World Cup. Everyone's scared to put their hands up now. Like uh, We've been watching the Soccer World Cup and uh, staying up late, getting up. Did anyone watch the game last night? I think there was a game, was Argentina and Croatia, right? And then there was another game, I think it was Portugal and Morocco. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so we got up and watched those games. Um, Who's going to get up? I think it's not Monday tomorrow, but the Monday after to watch the final. People are going to get up. Some people are going to do that. That's going to be awesome. Well, imagine if before this tournament began that I was predicted the teams that were going to play in the final. Like that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Like you'd be like, wow, that's pretty, that's interesting. He, he's, he's predicted. But, you know, you could say, oh, you know, maybe chance. Maybe he fluked it, you know. Maybe he got lucky in picking those teams. Now, imagine this, okay. So imagine before the tournament began, not only did I predict the two teams that were going to be playing in the final, but I also said which of the teams was going to win. Okay, you could maybe fluke that. But what about this? If I said I knew what the scores would be, the final scores, and then I said I, know, I knew who was going to score the goals and I knew the minute that the goals would be scored. Like, would that be like, wow, that's amazing, yeah? Like, you would think that is incredible. Uh, that's pretty mind-blowing. I mean, if you were a betting person, a gambling man, and I'm not, but if you were a gambling person, you want to be my friend, right? You'd be like, hey, Bronson, who's going to win the, the footy next week? Like, tell me, give me some, give, you know, give me some insight who's going to win. Well, let's take this even further. Let's step this up and up a notch. You know, let's go past just turning on the Christmas tree. Let's get the fire going and the Christmas carols and all that stuff. What if we were to say that we're going to go into the future now, 700 years? 700 years into the future, the world's still here. I don't know, but the world's still here. We're still playing soccer. The Soccer World Cup is still occurring every four years. What if today I could predict in 700 years... The two teams that are going to play, uh, the final score, who would score the goals, what time the goals would be, score, uh, would be scored, wouldn't that be incredible? Like, that would be really amazing. That would be, that would be great. Like, you'd have to say, like, surely there would be a Wikipedia page about me. Like, this guy predicted long, long times ago, like, there isn't now. If you want to go and create one for me, like, I'm, I'm okay if you do that. Uh, uh, surely at Elevation Church... If elevation is still around in 700 years, I'd have, to, I'd have to be famous, right? Like, they'd have to say, you know, there was this pastor 700 years ago, Pastor Bronson Blackmore. He's, like, famous, um, you know, not as famous as Pastor Ross and Pastor Miles, but still pretty famous. It's a funny illustration, but, you know, Isaiah, he, he kind of, in a way, did the same thing. He, he spoke a prophecy about a person who would come, and he prophesied some, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, a very detailed account of what Jesus would suffer and endure on our behalf. See, Isaiah prophesied about a problem and then someone that would come to solve the problem. 
Do you know that we have a problem in our lives that we can't solve ourselves, but we have someone who came to solve the problem and he wants to do that for us. Let's have a look at this prophecy right now this morning. Isaiah 53 verse 6. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path paths to follow our own. What does it say? It says all of us are like what? Sheep. We are like sheep. We have gone astray. We have left God's path for our own. You know, when Isaiah says that we are like sheep, it's not a compliment. It's an insult. Like my, my kids, they speak to each other all the time and they like, they don't, they very rarely compliment each other. Has anyone noticed that if you've got kids? They're always insulting each other. It's an insult. If, if there's an animal that I want to be compared to, it's not a sheep. I mean, I would love to be compared to a lion. Rawr, strong, you know, a bear, big and, and powerful. An eagle, the most powerful bird there is, soaring high above the, the earth. You know, a tiger, you know, lions, tigers and bears. Oh my, you know, whatever it might be, but something strong, tough, powerful, right? Come on, men, are you with me? Yeah, yeah, let's go. I mean, we don't want to be compared with a mouse, do we? But, but Isaiah says, you're like sheep. He's saying you're not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's saying you're not the most fearsome animal out there. He's saying, in fact, that you're pretty dumb. You, you, you know, you can train a dog. You can train a bird. You can train an elephant. You can even train pigs, but you can't train, train sheep. And you might be saying, how do you know you can train those animals? Because I've been to the circus. And I've seen those animals there. I've seen a dog. I've seen a bird. I've seen an elephant. I've even seen pigs. But I've never seen sheep at the circus. Has anyone seen sheep at the circus? I mean, they might be on a rotisserie at the kebab, the kebab store. But we don't see them at this no sheep show. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone astray. See, sh sheep are weak. They're, they're dumb. They're wayward. They're defenseless. They follow the crowd. Uh, later on, Google uh, the following news story. Um, 1,500 sheep uh, jump off a cliff. Google that when you get home. There was an incident in Turkey where one sheep jumped off a cliff. We don't know why. He jumped off the, he jumped off the cliff and then four, 1,500 other sheep followed that one sheep off the, off the cliff. You know how we say to our kids, hey, if, if one of your mates jumped off the cliff, would you jump off the cliff? Well, that's, that's literally what happened. Like, we're like, ah, oh, that would never happen. That's literally what happened. Well, 400 of them died. The rest survived because as they fell down, they landed on the other 400 sheep and all the wool kept them alive. They were like pillows. Baba, black sheep, have you any wool? Anyway, we are like sheep. See, sheep, they wander away from their shepherd. Sheep wander away from their shepherd just like we tend to wander away from God and his plan for us. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied this. Uh, verse 6 to 7, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths for our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led away like a lamb to the slaughter. And this is Jesus talks about Christ here. This is the one who was led away like a lamb. He, he, we, see, we left God's path to follow our own, and so therefore God laid our punishment upon 
Jesus, our sins upon him. Uh, Verses 3 and 5, just a little bit earlier. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought our troubles, we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we would be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. And that's what Jesus did. Would, would that, it prophesies what Jesus would do for us. And that's what Jesus did do for us on the cross some 2,000 years ago. See, it's easy at Christmas time to look at the baby in the manger, to look at uh, uh, Jesus as a young child, and to forget the significance of his coming and what it means for us. See, it's easy for us to hear the terms, uh, the words, uh, died on the cross, or it's easy to hear the term that says he died for our sins and to be so familiar with them if we've been in church any period of time to be so uh, used to those those sayings uh, uh, that it produces no response or no thought or no praise or no wonder or no awe or no adoration or no thanksgiving or no worship to come from our hearts that would say Jesus I thank Thank you. Look what you have done for me. Look what you accomplished at the cross. You paid the price for me. And when you understand what he did, the declaration of divine love, God's love shown to us on that cross, the only reasonable response is to wholly and completely to follow him. Isaiah 53, 8 and 9. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. See, I want you to realize today, Christ doesn't sit there and look at everything that he went from and is sad and is upset and wish that it had not occurred. It says here, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. That's what Jesus did. That's what Christ did on the cross. And right now in this moment, I want in, in, in my message right now, I want us to pause for a moment, reflect on what Jesus did. And I want every one of us right where we are, I want us to pray a prayer to thank Jesus. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can if you want. But right now, we're going to take 10 seconds just to pause and say, Jesus, we thank you. So let's do that now. He took it all upon himself, bearing our sins, paying our price, and did it gladly. What is it today that separates Christianity from other world religions? What is it that makes Christianity different from uh, Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism 
and new age philosophy and all these types of different things. What is it that makes it different? The difference is the bloody death of an innocent victim. The bloody death of an innocent victim. If the kids could come, uh, that would be great. It goes, see, it goes all the way back to when God freed his people from slavery in the nation of, uh, of Egypt uh, some uh, uh, thousands of years ago. It goes back to that time and there was an event that occurred at that time which was called the Passover. And if you've been in church, you may have heard that, that phrase before, the, the Passover. And this event, what occurred was that God sent an angel uh, of death to go out amongst all of the nation of Israel, sorry, all of the nation of Egypt, to go amongst every single home, amongst uh, the humans and the animals. And the command on this angel was that any firstborn male, human or animal, this angel was to uh, uh, kill. And when you read that, it's like, wow, that seems really extreme. Can I tell you something? Sin is extreme. There's a price. The price is death. There's another price. It's eternal separation from God. Sin is serious. But what God did was He offered Israel a way to escape this judgment. And He said to them, what I want you to do is I want you to take a lamb, an innocent lamb with no spot or blemish. And I want you to take that lamb and I want you to sacrifice it. And then you're to take some of the blood of that lamb and you're to spread it on the doorposts of your dwelling. Put on the doorposts, the sides, the lintel, put on that place there. And when the angel of death goes past, comes over your home, if it sees the blood of the lamb on that doorpost, it will pass over and go to the next house. It will pass over. You will escape the judgment that I'm going to bring to the house uh, to the nation of Israel. So the first Passover and the remembrance of it every year after that by the Israelites is a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God. No longer a yearly sacrifice that had to occur every year in remembrance, the Passover for the forgiveness of sins. A innocent man who would die once, the Passover Lamb, Jesus, and the spreading of His blood on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. What separates Christianity from other religions? God becoming flesh, living amongst man, living amongst humanity, and then being pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten for our beaten so that we would be made whole, and that by his stripes we would be healed. So when the wise men and the magi, they give the myrrh, the substance used to embalm the dead. God is showing us what is to come. The Lamb of God who is going to die for our sins of the world. Jesus knew this. It wasn't a surprise to Him. He didn't come to earth and then, you know, two days before the cross, get, get a text message saying, oh, you've, you, you guess right. And He's like, oh, what, what's this? No, He knew it. He actually prophesied about himself, Luke 9, 22, and he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whatever, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily to follow me. Deny themselves and take up their cross daily to follow me. It's important to note what Jesus didn't say there. Jesus didn't say, if you will pray a prayer to me, that I'm going to make your life amazing. 
He didn't say, if you will pray a prayer for me, your life is going to be the best from that day forward. You're going to have the best car, the best house, the best marriage. You're going to have, you know, the amazing career. See, Jesus didn't say any of that. Jesus didn't preach any prosperity gospel. What Jesus did preach, He said, is if you come to me, you're going to have to deny yourself. If you want to be my disciple, you're going to deny yourself, your wants, your dreams, your desires. You're going to have to pick up your cross. That means you know those things that you had, that you know that you shouldn't have, those things that you have to bear at times to go through. You're going to have to pick up that cross and put it at the feet of Jesus and follow Him. You're going to have to die to self. Being a Christian isn't a hobby. Being a Christian isn't an interest. Being a Christian isn't an add-on. It's not just something that we, that we do because we want to do it. It's about God becoming flesh, born of a virgin. And instead of inheriting the sin nature of Adam that we all have, he instead inherits the heavenly nature of God, lives an innocent life, he never sins. And when we understand this, when we grasp this, when we let this go past our mind, come into our heart, when we let our emotions connect with the Father, when our spirit connects with God and we hear this and we over, understand this, it, it, it overwhelms and overtakes our lives. What did He do? He endured all of this because of our sins, our greed, our anger, our lust, our hypocrisy, our addictions, our judgments, our judgmental spirit, our unforgiveness, our wicked hearts. God, He sends wise men, the Magi, to give Him gold. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. To give frankincense. He's our high priest. He understands. He intercedes on our behalf. And, and, and myrrh, He's the child. He is, this child is the Lamb of God, born to die for our sins. And today, I don't follow Jesus because He can make my life better. And I don't follow Jesus because I have to. Or because I don't have anything better to do on a Sunday. I thought that, you know, hey, this might be a great thing to do. I don't, I don't follow Jesus because of any of those things. I follow Jesus because of who He is and what He did. Who He is and what He did. Who He is and what He did. I follow Jesus because of that. And He's worthy to be followed. He deserves all praise and all glory. And I pray that today, at this Christmas, and not just at Christmas, but all through, our, all through our year, every week of the year, I pray that at this time and through the year, we'd honour Jesus. We'd honour Him and give Him our praise and that we'd remember the prophecy from Isaiah 53 about a man who was Jesus, a man of sorrow, the Lamb of God. And as we finish today and as we close our eyes today, I just want to say some things this morning. Perhaps you're struggling with health today, maybe physically or mentally or emotionally. I just want to let you know the scripture says that in Isaiah 53 he was whipped so that we might be healed come on there's healing you can receive today in Jesus Christ maybe today there's something happened in your life and I don't know that you've been abusive towards someone or you've betrayed someone's trust or you've hurt someone I want to let you know that Jesus was pierced for the forgiveness of your sins I want to let you know today there's forgiveness in Jesus today you don't have to live in that shame you don't have to live in that past. You can walk in God's forgiveness to be set free from that today. Maybe, maybe today you've, you've lost someone special, a loved one, a parent, a child, a partner. I want to let you know today, Jesus, He was crushed for your comfort. You can find comfort in God. 
in every season of life, whatever you might be going through, you can find comfort in Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe today there's other things for you. There's other things, but I want to let you know, whatever need you might have, whatever it is that you need, that you can't solve, that is above and beyond you, I want to let you know the person to meet that need is not the government, it's not the bank account, it's not your manager, it's not your partner or your child. It is a man. His name is Jesus. Right now, all eyes closed, I want to take a moment. I want to pray right now for every person And today, if you're in one of those places this morning, I want to pray for us. Jesus, today, I just pray no matter where we might be, God, if we need you who was whipped for our healing, Lord Jesus, if we need you who was crushed for our comfort, Lord Jesus, if we need you who was pierced for our forgiveness, if we need you for whatever it might be, God, whatever area of our life, I pray that you would come right now into our lives. If there's a loved one we're praying for, you would come into their life, Jesus today to come in, that we would remember a man of sorrows, that he was despised, Lord God, but he looks at what he accomplished and he is satisfied. He looks at our lives. He knows the work he is doing. God, I pray, God, that you would move in our lives, answer our prayers. Come, Lord God. Come, Heavenly Father. Come, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come upon us today in this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And then then the wise men, you know, they, they had to travel hundreds of miles across weeks, maybe even months to, to find Jesus to come before Him, to, to, to pay their respects, to give their gifts, to worship Him in, in awe and wonder, to encounter Jesus. I want to say right now, you can encounter Jesus right here today. You don't have to wait weeks. You don't have to wait months. You don't have to travel great distances. You don't even have to be in church to encounter Jesus. You can encounter Him in your home, in your car, in in the workplace, wherever you are. But today, I want to give any person here who hasn't invited Jesus into their life, who hasn't identified with this person who suffered for us, who hasn't said, Jesus, You are my Savior, who hasn't said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to invite you into my life. Today, I want to give you an opportunity. Every single man, woman, child here this morning on the live stream, listening on the podcast, I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you would invite Jesus into your life, the one who took your place for you, the one who paid the price for your sins. And today, if you would like to invite Jesus into your life, it's a simple prayer I want you to pray. I'd love you to pray it with me. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Thank you, you died for me. You suffered for me. But you also rose again. And you offer me new life. Come into my life. In your name, Jesus. Amen. God, today, if we prayed that prayer for the first time.